It is Tuesday, the 24th of April, 2018, and this is episode 330 of Digital Outbox. Hello, welcome to a much delayed episode. Uh, I am Chris. We are still alive, and Ian is also with me and still alive. I think I'm still alive. You're hearing some ghostly sounds, and it's mm. put me on edge. Yeah, it's been so long since we've done a recording. I'm not sure whether the, the rumbles I'm hearing is someone walking around my house. Um, anyway, sorry about the delay, but we're back now. And while we've been away, <laughs> probably one of the biggest tech stories that we <laughs> that's been um, that's been for I don't know a number of years actually has has cracked and is sort of on ongoing really and all around Facebook data, uh, big social data and, and and the misuse of that data, and specifically in this case by Cambridge Analytica. Um, so uh, you know, as a summary, I know everyone knows what's been going on, but but basically as a summary, um turned out that the some organizations had scraped an awful lot of facebook data and had been using that in electioneering and in various other uses and it wasn't just sort of um data that users had given permission to a company to scrape it was also additional data they'd put all together into this big i think we're up to sort of a hundred odd million accounts. Is it something like that? It's... We've said officially like they went up to eighty nine, but they expect that to be lower end, as the, as in there's still more to come. Yeah, and this, so this was not only your data and and people misunderstanding when when they, you know, what it all comes down to is when someone goes to one of those. Oh, I bet you can't answer this question and enters a survey or you know learn your personality type. I want all your user data. Well. A lot of those scrape your data and then they misuse it by selling it on or moving it around into places where you, you don't really expect it to go. Uh, and also they were scraping friends data as well. So if you signed up to one of those kind of survey things, uh, it was taking data from your friends who hadn't had nothing to do with it as well. Um, so various underhand tactics moved in there. And and basically Facebook's been left fully exposed um, because really they only control that spread of data via their terms and conditions. Um, so anyway, we've had an awful lot of um, toing and froing, posturing. Uh, we've had an American, um, I, it was, I don't know what they call it, hearing, I guess, with lots of senators quizzing Zuckerberg himself. Um, uh, and that went on. Uh, it, they had some weird strict rules, which meant that nothing really got covered in that, only exposing really that senators don't understand anything. Um, and, and in fact, I guess that highlights that probably most everyday users don't really understand. But this is not a new issue and it's not certainly one that we've certainly talked about it on this um, podcast before now. Um, but it turns out that even warnings and um, highlights from tech commentators don't really get noticed until um, till this all really, really kicked off. Uh, and we've had various other an angles from this story where Cambridge Analytica has been suspended from on Facebook and another company that's supposedly also associated got suspended um and then we're they're now trying to understand how the data got used was it used in 
the Donald Trump campaign? Was it used in the Brexit Leave campaign? And was that data, you know, correctly used? And we've also had that Cambridge Analytica obviously have um, been defending themselves, saying this data was not used in those election campaigns. But they've also been caught undercover um, boasting about some of the lengths that they will go to to help out an election campaign, including... Um, uh, entrapment including uh, deliberately creating false scandal um etc uh, etc et some really underhand plays and that, i think that all those cases are still being looked at and obviously i think we've still got a fair way to go before all this is tidied up but what we have seen as users is endless um <laughs> reports recently of things breaking as companies retract access and restrict access and and no longer allow people to scrape data so where you may have been using facebook as for as your underlying login mechanic and then also using the social data that comes with that uh, ability a lot of those things have been tightened down and, and now facebook do not allow third parties to access their data we've seen sort of side cases around google and their data and their access to the data as well um I guess one thing that's interesting is that because Google really uses its own data for its own purposes and it keeps it internal more than Facebook, which was a honeypot of information that it allowed other developers to tip into, Google are a bit less exposed almost because, like I said, they're using that for their own advertising gains, whereas Facebook was selling it off to other people and effectively let that let that data out of, of its protected little nest. I think that's a fair summary. What if I missed? Um, no, I, I think they're there. Um, I think the interesting when I mean, you touched on Google there, I think it's interesting that because I, I think might be wrong, but I think Google tends to track more than Facebook does, and it's certainly got more. But everybody's focused on Facebook right now, and I think that's because Facebook have looser and only terms and conditions which protect that data yes. from from misuse. Um, whereas Google like to hold on to that data because they realise how valuable it is to their own pur- purposes. Yeah. And I think it's about that use of data. I mean, Facebook have been caught. I think they've been caught, obviously playing fast and loose with people's data, and that's and that's where it's getting challenging. Is it Facebook them. that's playing fast and loose, or is it Facebook not really, maybe not protecting things as much as they should? But also, it's other. You know, it's other companies that have done the de- deeds. It's not Facebook have let them have access potentially at some level, but it's actually the collection of that data uh, from you know pretty bad sources of you know companies and things yeah but at, at the end of the day facebook have grabbed data they get all the i mean they, just some of the stuff that they, they grab especially around android where it's like you know phone records and phone calls and they're linking it to other people and i i, I just think the volume of data they capture um and 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 combined with they didn't get ahead of the story i think they thought they could you know just put a couple of statements and this is going to blow over and it was like no this is i, I think there was just too many I'm almost tempted to say too many old-fashioned journalists who were willing to go and chase this story because there was something there. Mm. You know, Brexit and Trump have been two, they're two, you know, if you look at America and you look at the UK, they're almost split in half. You know, if you look at the way voting, you know, the voting records are, the same way in Scotland, independence vote, become a very fractured society. You look at Russia and their involvement in all this, there's just a total mistrust. And as I, as I said, almost just feels like old-fashioned good journalism chasing the story and they've, they've, they've got something here and eventually you know it got to the point where Zuckerberg had to come out and say yeah I'm sorry and yes I'll go in front of the senate and yes I'll spend two days answering really embarrassing questions sometimes and really daft questions and it's it's not a good look you know they've really even just you, you talked about how they've restricted some of the APIs now that was a kind of almost overnight it was like right here's the changes we need to make 
And yeah, I think well, that shows, mm. I think, where they've, where they've looked at it and thought, you know, crap, we've... <laughs> They, yeah, they've looked at it been... now and thought, how do we stop that leakage of information? Well, how, well, basically, yeah, we have to we have to tie everything down and and not let people access it. And and I guess at the end of the day, it just stays internal to Facebook. And also, as we've seen lots of moves now to, I mean, we every every six months we seem to see Facebook put a new privacy page up, which makes everything super simple. Um, but they've now done another one, which says it's it's again super simple uh, that allows you to gain access. <laughs> You know, as a user, I'm very jaded, and I honestly haven't even looked at the new page yet. Um, I actually got the so I got the new so so GDPR's coming along. Um, we're only a few, you know, days and weeks away from it kind of kicking in. So, not only did I get a, a, about twenty emails today telling me that companies take my privacy really seriously, and you know, from John Lewis to all sorts of you know companies saying we need to you know be clear about how we use your data. Um, but Facebook, when I logged in tonight, was it was like uh, you need to do this now, and you need to, and and it was a couple of kind of you know default ones, but also you had to give it permission for facial recognition. Yeah, I was like, um, no, I I, I I just it was just one of those. It's like I don't. I, I don't trust you to start using this and how you're going to use and, it and, going and forward. And that's, that's, that's the damaging part. It's that trust aspect now. People are going to be wary. No matter no matter what happens from now on, they're going to be wary. Uh, one thing that for me stands out is that... yeah. This hasn't. This has been no different for the last probably you know four or five years really. So that it's just that now people are realize, realizing just quite how powerful some of that data can be. Now, there's another aspect to this, which you know the other angle on this is some people got caught out so some political figures certainly have been caught out by not making full use of the power of that and i think that's why sometimes you know why we're seeing this come to the fore because it is a powerful tool and they feel a bit silly maybe for not having used it because at the end of the day however the data's got acquired and and okay we've got some issues here at some point in the future that kind of level of data is going to be available to people um and maybe acquired in a slightly more robust and and, and forthright way, but nevertheless, the power's still there, and people will still then make the use of that. It's the same every time a new technology comes along. I just think it's this the first time that people have actually sat up and realised that hey, that's that's really serious. But but it's it's not that they haven't been told that or hasn't been available for them to know that before. It's just that they haven't really paid attention to it. Um, and we're seeing other things like um, Zuckerberg's messages have suddenly been disappearing off of Facebook. Yeah. I think their data retention policies are all changing now as well. That was, I mean, when, when they came out and said, so there was some, you know, basically it was some, you know, potentially company, you know, corporate information that was damaging. It was like, but, but he sent well, the as much as I think that, say, it probably comes under data retention. We don't have to keep a message beyond certain times, so let's get rid of it. Um, and then they turned it into well everybody's getting this tool don't worry about it yeah they, they <laughs> kind of twisted everyone said hang on we can't do that and then it was yeah we, we will roll yeah. that out for I everyone think, else but the I moment. think the thing as well is it's just making people start to question things more you know so everything's for free and, and I guess this is where Facebook have got caught up in the whole you know there was lots of comments around this you know people don't pay for this platform and if you you have to pay quite a bit of money if you want to you know opt out of adverts and they're selling your data and it's like so give people that choice Give them the choice and they can vote with their feet. But and, and people are not going to leave Facebook. Of course they're not. And they and I guess that's what the Senate are worried about the monopoly of, of that because there isn't really an alternative that's uh, viable in that in that same way. Um, and I guess that's also coming to a head now. 
But nevertheless, it doesn't matter whether it's now or in another five years time when the next thing pops up, that that data mining is still happening um, and it's still available and it will be used. And and at the end of the day, it's only being used to target people. And, and ultimately, that's what leaflet drops do now. They just do it in a more crude way. And I guess it's just adding the next layer of that technology on top, which really, I guess, governments just need to get used to. And, and in fact, in everyday life, we almost have to get a bit more used to that that fact because it comes with benefits and drawbacks right there are some really strong benefits so one of the stories that got caught up in this was that facebook were talking to a medical company about trying to mash some data together and and and, and see how people's lifestyles affected what they were you know you know maybe ailments they had and also solutions and whether drugs worked in particular cases to solve uh, those problems now that looks like it's been chopped in the head you know chopped by this uh this you know this this protection uh, drive but equally that that potentially can to draw out some really amazing and useful and life-changing facts and figures and you know that that data is potentially um really useful yeah i think and i think as you said that's that's been knocked on the head but again i think it was how it was being presented it was like we'll take anonymized data from hospitals and we believe we'll be able to Unanonymize it and link it back to the right people, and and, mm. and then tease out some more about you know. So that person's like, and it's like, so I get we, why you're wanting to do it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. it feels dirty, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it, it's like the old shadow profile that we've talked about many times yeah. before, and, and, and it's and, still and, obviously going on and becoming more and more sophisticated. Yeah, and could they guarantee that? So if they link that, I don't know if they link that I've I've had some sort of injury, you know, from a car crash that I'm not going to get presented an advert from a lawyer. You know, even though nobody knows that, could they guarantee that? And I don't think they can because it's back to the who goes and grabs that data then uses it elsewhere. And that's 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 where they've been. I keep on using the word caught. I think this is where it's they've been caught up in this whole. You know, we've given you. You know, I've given you my data, and you're not really protecting it because Chris, you've filled in a survey, and all of a sudden somebody's got my data and then using it. Yeah. And I yeah. didn't let that company take it, but because of all the friend of friends things, it's like you've allowed it. And, and yeah, and, and sometimes it's just the size and sophisticated aspects of like, like like the example we just gave. You can take an anonymized set of data and it's only anonymous as long as you're you're not powerful enough to also have a whole ton of other data that you can try and hook and, and compare it to. And, and I guess one of the protections so far has been, yeah, Facebook has the, that store of data. But now other companies via various different a- angles and attack vectors have managed to amass that same kind of I, I mean in fact it will be nothing like as big a pool of data um as, as something as as is inside of facebook and so i guess it's just again something that yeah we need to be aware of that yeah that as soon as those big data talk to each other that's when things start getting a little bit messy but also like i say we gain benefit from that as well and we shouldn't lose sight of uh, that um you know there could be some real good things come out of that kind of data collaboration yeah. and, I, and i think if it, if it moves the debate on I mean, there's, and there's been talk about this, this is going to bring in you know legislation to to work against these companies and i guess we've had a bit of that facebook themselves suggesting it apple really suggesting it because they're pretty squeaky clean around this stuff at the moment um yeah but, but has anyone really looked into their health side of things uh, you know what they're no, doing with that but, but i think it's back to the nobody seems to be able to taking that data out and reusing it and, and, and i know zuckerberg had a few points in these slides about you know if, if they ultimately apple, apple still have that data though okay maybe no. they haven't let other people have it but they've got it but it's, it's a bit like the google example you gave so google have got more than anybody 
but they're kind of they're more tightly controlling it. They may be more tightly, but still, that company and that organization still has access, yeah. and it's, you know, access to it. I, that, but, the, the, but the bit I have the biggest issue with is like who can then go and grab the data, and yeah. then how they so can who use then, it. yeah, that's, how does it stop getting spread, and that, that's yeah, where that's, that's the big thing here. Yeah, that, that's where I think people are starting to become more aware, you know, and we're we're obviously aware of it. We've been aware of it for years, but it's yeah. like the general population are now realizing, like, oh, if I log into Facebook, they can do X, Y, and Z, and it's not them; it's somebody else. For positive and for negative, um, I think we're gonna, this this story will roll on and on and on. Uh, I think we're going to see plenty of bad legislation before we eventually get to some sensible, good legislation. There'll be something be a bit brought horrible. in, which is ridiculous. Yeah, um, and we'll have to laugh at that for a few few years before they actually get it right. You mean like the cookie pop-ups and everything? Yeah, like like all sorts. <laughs> Pretty much anything the government ends up putting a regulation in, you know, like not having encryption end to end not having having oh. the porn filter all those things they just they just cannot make them happen because they no. don't, don't they don't get, get it. it they don't get it <laughs> um apple is going to ditch intel chips maybe as early as 2020 uh to kind of the the idea being that they'll move over to their arm processors um uh so they can actually control end to end on that thing now I'm not. I, I never had an Apple back in the day of the Power PC to Intel switchover. What I do know is that that was messy as anything, and and caused all my. It was it was short term pain for long term gain. But the only reason they could put that short term pain up was because their user base was so low. Now their user base is ex- massively extended nowadays. So how are they going to go through that pain barrier? I, d- I don't. Especially as they're talking about doing this as a multi step transition. It's not a overnight thing i remember for software manufacturers or software engineers and things, it was an absolute dog to re-engineer all of their work for the new you know apple yeah so make yourself were fairly well committed but it took them a while to get office over and up and running um adobe took quite a while to move things over um and i and i can get why apple would do this you know so ios chips you know obviously working really well they design their own chips get somebody to make them uh they're, they're all you know, fundamentally reduced instruction set chips are the you know they're real power friendly and all those kind of things so absolutely. it's really good for a pt and and i can get i can get where it makes sense in the kind of low-end macbooks but then you look at some of the high-end macbook pros you look at the imacs and the imac pros they're talking about the the new mac pro is coming next year is, are they really going to have an arm base you, no I mean, they've said that to... well they almost certainly they won't so they no, but it's know. back to this so that so i think it's the it's the what are the transition? What's the message around this? You know, should you buy a Mac? No, if you well, if you know this is coming, would you buy a Mac now or would you wait two years? You'd wait yeah, a well, years. exactly. Uh, no, why would you buy a Mac now? I mean, yeah. and 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 if if they can never resolve that power issue, is top top end and lower end software is just going to go up and up in price because the engineering effort to, to make it work on both is going to be nigh on impossible to achieve. And and the risk to Apple is that if I go back to so what am I ten twelve fourteen years on on Apple something like that you're probably much the same, you know that a kinda, bit shorter than you but anyway yeah that that kind of length, um but but right now I, you know if something something came along and they said so we're going to transition to you know some sort of ARM you know chipset we're going to go and do our own thing. Um, software vendors will take the time and come along. We're working with them, and they'll work. and obviously they're, they're, they won't be doing this in isolation. They'll be talking to the big companies already about this, I'm sure. Um, but but it's, it's a changed day from 12 years ago when you didn't have the cloud as it is just now. You didn't have software working everywhere. You didn't have the you know powerful browser versions of software. You didn't have Adobe mm-hmm. Suite. 
where I just buy a, you know, a license and I can work Mac or Windows and it's pretty much the same. Same with Office, same with the big tool sets. I think people, see if, see if they don't do this right, people will just say, sorry, I'll just go to Windows. Windows 10 is good. I guess I guess that come you know that that argument though also works the other way which is given that all these services are a lot of them are remote actually the transition might be a lot easier than than I'm making out and and, and it might be because some some people were like, like it was almost like a naive oh you just you just you're going to you know your development language and just you know compile for that please and it'll be is that straightforward and I'm like oh, I don't buy it I, I don't, really buy, don't it buy it either it. but they are getting better at doing that we've seen several yeah. solutions but you know that each of those solutions always comes with a performance and a optimization hit in in fact a large enough one that Apple prevented apps that were generated with some of those generic um, compilers uh, from being released on the App Store because they were not dedicatedly and optimally created for their device Now maybe they've loosened up on that a little bit I think they did loosen up a bit on that um, but nevertheless you know, it just shows that that was a big enough issue for them to say, no, you cannot release a bit of software on our pro- platform unless you optimize for it. Um, and, and when we're only six weeks away from WWDC, I don't think, I don't, they're not going to announce anything at WWDC, I don't think. But there's been no, lots of rumors. Think... Well, there's been lots of rumors that they're going to have this um, way of running iOS apps on, on your Mac. And, and, and I guess that's that, interesting if they're doing that ahead of actually having the ARM processors anyway. I, I think that sets the, it feels like it's the start of that transition you know you, 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 you i don't think you could just turn up you know in 2020 and say by the way look at this there's mm-hmm. a there's a number of steps it also makes you think that you know would they would you ditch mac os would you ditch ios and just have a you know some sort of brand new you know shared underlying architecture mm-hmm. i shudder at that uh, but uh, the one thing i will say about apple is that you know i think they can do it and I, and I give kudos to Microsoft. They've done it. I know they've not got a mobile platform, really, but but they've got an OS now that runs on, you know, from, from I guess, you know, Surface, I was going to say tablet, but Surface Pros, you know, laptops, you know, desktops, all the way through to the Surface Hubs. You know, and it, yeah, it and they've got rid of some of those initial growing pains that they had. Yeah, so Windows 8, big bisnet, but um, Windows 10 is a pretty solid product. Um, so so it's 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 very interesting, and I just uh, I'm really interested in the message around all this, how they start to sow the seeds of this, and where they're going. Apple has poached um, Google's AI um, bloke. Um, he's basically <laughs> just basically he's gone from Google straight over to Apple. Um, I guess with Apple recognizing that they're falling a little little, if not fair amount, behind in this whole. AI arena, especially with their assistant. I think Siri's consistently voted as third best to Amazon and to Google's assistant. So it's an interesting move. Um, I, I, we used to see this more. I, I, I guess we just don't hear about them so much nowadays, but this is this is a big steal. Yeah, it, it was weird. Wired, wired. It was like one Monday, so I don't know what, what day it was. It was like, you know, some, some day in April, wired to this article. It was like, you know, a big shock. Google's top AI chief left Google, and then the next day mm. there's like, oh, bigger shock. He's just joined Apple. <laughs> um, yeah. they, they, they need to do something. And, and interestingly, he's going to. It's a direct report to Tim Cook. So I think structurally, mm. it's almost like saying, you know, we can't we can't run Siri the way it's being run across multiple teams. And it needs, somebody needs to say, I'm owning AI. I'm going to own it across the company. Um, and and you're right, Siri. I mean, I'm I'm all in an Apple, and I've got CarPlay now. And I was driving. I was driving back home a couple of weeks ago, and I asked it for a, a road in Glasgow. I don't know how to get there, but it was a test of CarPlay. And I, I, you know, I said, you know, hey, you know, give me directions to this road. And it was like, couldn't do it. I said, give me directions to this road, and it says we don't have Indian maps. 
give me that, and I know part of that is the Glaswegian accent, so I tried to say it really politely. Really but that's clearly. all part of it, though, isn't it? That's, exactly. Yeah. Tried it 10, 15 times, couldn't do it. See, when I got 11. home, I fired 11. up Google, fired up Google, and asked it the same question, first time. Yeah. yeah first yeah. time, and reliable. And it's like, that's the difference. You know, and I know, mm. I know there's a lot of Apple folk out there that go, oh, well, it works fine for me. Mm -hmm. I can, you can only it's only as good as it works how it sometimes works you only you need to do that back-to-back -back comparison to to actually yeah. see how far behind it is sometimes and, and i've done it plenty of times just out of fun and interest you know i wonder what you're going to get and we, we both do the same question and, and yeah quite reliably uh, google does I'll come up him. with a better yeah, <laughs> anyway yeah so that that's an interesting move and we'll see whether that bears some uh some fruit in the coming months i guess it's probably going to be a six to 12 month campaign that you know, we're not going to see anything immediately it takes it's a long take, time to... it's going to take time for him to come in and then start to structurally set out where we're going it's been just a... work out the complexities of it it's just maybe 2020 you know by a time you come in and do a branch and start to see you know it's all and you might come in and see actually you know you're just missing a few bits you know there's maybe. these key things that you need and you'll be but it shows how flexible knowledge is when it comes to these big firms because mm. you, you know he's got a whole lot of IP in his head from you know the way things work at Google and, and it's just, you know, they must be smarting a little bit. It's just, I'm not, I don't know whether they do write in contracts. I'm sure they do of saying, you know, you can't go work for rivals, but whatever's happened this time, <laughs> he's definitely gone over. Well, can you imagine Johnny Ive going to Google? You know what I mean? No, I can't see, I can't see him being there, to be honest, but... No, but but it's back to the if that came out as a news article tonight, you'd be like, wow, look at yeah, all the design practices yeah. that, that you know, or or more, it's probably more like you know, the guy that heads up you know the kind of software division. If he moved to Microsoft, you'd be like, yeah. wow, how much inner knowledge has he got? Yeah, just, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cloudflare has entered the DNS arena. Um, so Cloudflare, a very famous you know service, and basically they are offering. DNS at 1.1.1.1 as a DNS provider. A bit like Google's DNS. We've talked about Google DNS before now. And this is Cloudflare offering that same thing. And apparently it's the quickest on the market at the moment. I, this 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 is the kind of thing that excites you normally. <laughs> Thanks. <It's> just, <laughs> I, no, I, I normally feel quite a side geek. And you've just, you've just kicked the side geek right in the nuts. <laughs> yep. Sorry about that. Yep. I, I, um, so yeah, I I got excited by this and I swapped over. So I'm now using Cloudflare's DNS. And now you're getting 14 milliseconds of performance <laughs> increase. <laughs> Funnily enough, uh, no. The, um, <laughs> so I, I, and in the way I, I just did a couple of quick tests, but you know it was the same as what you know some of the web you know some of the websites had done the similar tests and said you know if you're in Europe it's a no-brainer, if you're in New Zealand it's a no-brainer. You know it's, it's significantly faster than. Um, that my Virgin's, you know, basic DNS. It was better than Google's. It was better than you know, Open similar. DNS. Yeah, Open DNS, and it was like fine. And it's all encrypted as well, and they're not storing anything about you know where you're going and what you're doing. So, so. that's an interesting angle. So they've made made the decision that they don't store logs for any longer than twenty four hours. So yeah, yeah. Um, so those logs <laughs> that do store, where effectively as a consumer, every time you type something into your browser, it's storing that. And many ISPs store that data, and in fact, get required to store that data by government organisations. But anyway, this is saying we're only going to store for 24 hours and we're going to use encrypted um dns provide you know provision as well so um yeah that's an interesting angle especially as they've got that all working at the fastest speed of any dns provider it's pretty yeah. amazing uh, well, uh, that's, that's consumer yeah. Med. yeah yeah 
Uh, and I have got a little to, to do enter down for like a couple of months time to tr just to test it again because it's fastest way and I'm not saying nobody's using it but they've not got the same user base as the other two. It's never one of those things that seems I'm sure it builds up over time but I don't think this is for your everyday internet user. I think people no, just Google's, once it's working it's working. Google's got a lot slower. Google's was 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 for mm. me the fastest and then it it really started to slow down. And you do see it on every single kind of how do you speed up my internet connection even on basic guides now they do tell you to go to over to sort of another provider rather than your own uh, internet provider. Superfast 5G is getting closer. We've had the auction now, I think. Yeah, we've had an auction and um, some companies bought some <clears throat> um, bought some 5G frequencies. Um, it only raised £1.36 billion. Pounds. Which is an awful lot of cash, but when you consider how much 3G went for and how much they, yeah. people are still reeling from that, I think. 3G was, I mean, it was up at over £30 billion that they paid. <laughs> no, it was, it was, it was, I mean, it was just like one of those. It was like that was... And it was still a bit rubbish. It was ridiculous what, yeah. what, was, what they paid for. So, In fact, that, that stopped the innovation. I think they realised that that much money being spent on 3G just ruined because they had to stick with 3G then for, it was, you know, five, six years before they recovered from that. And that's yeah. why it's just, it's really scuppered the whole market for a bit. So maybe these lower prices are a bit more realistic. Yeah, so still talking about 2020. There's some parts of the world are starting to get it end of this year. Um, mm -hmm. So there's, so we'll, we'll be a little bit behind. And I think also, I can't remember who's going to court. I can't remember if it was three or one of the other ones is going to court because they believe that the auction's all been wrong and they're not going <laughs> to win what they wanted. And, and I guess everybody in the industry is saying, go to court and we'll just lose... You know, yeah, we use, we lose years. more time, we lose more money, we lose, yeah, yeah. yeah. Everyone so there's loses. a but but the, the the companies all know this, so it's all about the game. <clears throat> Twitter is ongoing in its ever ever, I guess, reluctance to support uh, third party applications. Now, although this story has recently changed uh, and they are actually delaying this update, one thing they were going to do was basically remove the streaming aspect of their API. And this is the, this is the, basically how third-party applications actually get real-time updates on things um, from from the Twitter firehose. And this basically this, this update that was due to take place in June uh, was going to remove that from third-party applications. So they had no way of actually staying current uh, when you were actually in the application. No, no reliable way of doing that. Uh, and just relying on basically dragging more data from the API. They have backed away from this, but nevertheless, they've still pretty much said it's still going to happen, but we'll give you 90-day notice. So you've got three months um, from the time we decide we're going to do that before we actually implement it. And, and the the writing's on the wall, basically. Yeah, this all kicked off two and a half weeks ago. Um, so the third-party clients had all kind of banded together and said, um, I don't know if everybody realises, but see come June 19th, we won't be able to provide you the same you know, the same service. Um, we know that's going to disappear. Twitter telling us nothing. Um, who knows what we'll be able to do. Yeah, and they're and not even allowing us into the beta to test yeah. this. Yeah. You know, it was just, and, and, and it obviously get, it got a lot of traction, got picked up by the press. And within a few hours, you know, Twitter did come, to come back and say, it's delayed. Um, it won't be June 19th. Devs are important to us. You're getting 90 days notice. But the reality is they're not treating devs well. And, and Twitter wouldn't be Twitter with, you know, it wouldn't be where it is without the third-party devs and third-party apps that came along with really, you know, innovative ideas about how you use the platform. And Twitter then grabbed some of them and, you know, baked it into its own client. But its own client still is pretty junk to me. I, um, you know what? I, I, up until fairly recently, I've just been using it sort of in the web browser. And the web browser for me kind of works-ish. Um, mm. But I have to say the the the, mo the mobile of Android app 
version of it is pretty shocking uh, i get notifications come in and i click on the notification to look at a tweet and it doesn't find it or it present presents something else and as soon as you move your finger on the app it seems to refresh and then you can never find that tweet again it's like it, so yeah the the implementation of their own application is is dog and i think it's been it's been a bit like that since <laughs> it's been a bit like that it's since dog. they went to this yeah, this variable timeline where it shows you what it thinks is important and shows you highlights yeah. to start with. Yeah. It just means that if you do find a tweet that you're interested in reading and, and, and it happens to decide at that point that it's going to update, it just seems to disappear off into the, the ether and, and you can't find it again. I've, I found the same thing with Facebook timeline, but but I have to say the Twitter app, it just it, I don't I don't find it interesting to use really. No, I'm um, the same. And, and, and it's nothing. So yes, they're presenting ads, but it's, it's when they started saying, Here's some tweets that your, you know, friends of your people you follow are doing, and here's some of the replies they're doing. It's like I'm not interested in this. This is just noise upon noise. I'm struggling enough as it is sometimes with the amount of noise on Twitter. Never mind you telling me what you think's interesting, and it's not. Um, yeah. And it's the same as you say, Facebook. You know, they've changed their algorithms. Instagram, it you know hacks me off the most. Cause I really like Instagram. Really like the platform. You know, you don't. You don't get the same, you know, painful experiences you get elsewhere, but it's an ad every five images now. It's an ad uh, every f- in stories is you know, oh. but the, the, but the timeline is also it gets affected by that refresh as well, which is a bit yeah, and the, and the bit that hacks me off about the timeline is you've you've got so just say you've put up a just say you, you were racing two weekends ago and you've got a kind of before the race, middle of the race, after the race kind of picture. It's random how it gets yeah, presented. Yeah, how it actually ends up showing it. Yeah. And I, and I'm sure they're saying put that as a story. You know, don't put up as an image. But, but stories only last a short time and then exactly. go away, don't they? So, so it's just, and I know they're, they're talking about chain as well. But anyway, Twitter, I've get, I've, I really do worry. I really do worry what they're going to do. Google has lost another right to be forgotten case. So this, we known this is the European thing for a while where Europe says that yeah, people do have the right to be forgotten. Uh, a couple of test cases came up recently, both basically business uh, corrupt some business people who had who'd been in jail before and basically there was an interesting line and it would we'll see whether there's particular cut off at some point but one guy had been put away for a couple of months or four months or something another guy had been put away for like 10 years now the 10 year case um has that that person has not got the right to be forgotten and therefore his results will still hurt i can't i'm not sure the details but the results will stay in the search uh the other guy who'd only been in jail for say four months was considered Yep, you're allowed to have that expunged and, and therefore Google will remove those results. Um, so Google is still taking these things or letting them be taken to court to try and find out where these, these lines are like. And I'm guessing these these outcomes will be then used to, in future, decide whether they want to try and fight something. But it's but they are at least standing by their word of, we will fight these to understand. You know, it's not us doing the removal. It's the court has insisted on it. It's a really hard problem. I would, mm. And, I, and I'm, I'm maybe in a different place to when we talked about this last time because I remember last time saying, no, you know, you can't, you know, you, you, you know we should, if, if I've done a crime and Google reported, but it's not Google reported it, you know, BBC News reported it and Google was linking to that story, then then tough, I shouldn't have done the crime. But then it, it's like I was watching, so there's a, there's a programme on BBC just now talking about the big aircraft carrier that we, that we helped build. And, um, and there was a guy at the weekend and he was talking about how, as a as a teenager, he got into lots of trouble. Nothing, nothing deadly serious. Didn't stab somebody and kill somebody, but you know, you know, Ned type stuff, and you know, a few misdemeanors, and ended up in a couple of jails for short sentences. But after ten years, he hadn't done anything wrong, and he thought there's no way they would take me in. So he went in, talked to the careers guy, and he says, "Look, this happened ten years ago. Small crimes. 
you know, I've been honest, you know, I've been a bin man, done this, but I'd really like to, you know, you know, give the Navy a try. And the Navy appealed to their seniors and they agreed to give him a go and he's now serving an aircraft carrier and you're like, you know, sometimes people just get in the you know, wrong crowd, wrong time and you need a chance. Yeah, they're real society. I mean, and, and one of the things about serving time in jail is that that's supposed to be the punishment for the crime. Uh, and so there's there's a whole load of social aspects. You shouldn't necessarily a decision you make as a as a, a young person shouldn't necessarily affect you for the whole of the rest of your life. So there is a, there's difficult societal questions, and, and I guess really the whole the, they're not expunging the official record. That's the, what they're, all they're doing is saying Google allows an an unusual way of being able to get to all of that data. So for all of its benefits that it brings to be able to just bring all that data together, it does bring some societal problems. And I know that there's plenty of people that would think that's just tough luck. You make those decisions, you you live and, and you fa- fail by them. Um, but yeah, a, a decision you make as a, as a young kid affecting the rest of your life, it, it, it the, does the punishment fit the crime? And I guess that's why courts are deciding sometimes no. Yeah. Uh, with, there's, there's been enough. Or if I've dressed up in a Nazi uniform and <laughs> done all that, then tough. <laughs> I mean, there's plenty of people that would hold that view of, you know, it's just it's your bad luck. You shouldn't have done it. Yeah. Um, Amazon has bought the UK rights to show the US Open tennis tournament, which is an interesting move. So kind of the like the Open tournaments generally are treated one of the crown jewels, although it's not really. They're, it's only Wimbledon for the UK audience, which is one of the crown jewels, which should be shown on uh terrestrial television but but open tournaments are obviously a big deal uh and amazon has snuck in there and got one and normally the open is shown or the us open is shown at some point on terrestrial tv but amazon has taken on that deal and they will have the rights to the us open in the uk yeah so sky sky offered the, the rights i think for 20 odd years i think it was one of the first tennis tournaments that sky got was the us open Mm-hmm. And uh, but Sky have been really backtracking on tennis the last couple of years. They've really so so Eurosport. Eurosport's picked, been the big mover on it. Yeah, so Eurosport and um, BT Sport have picked up some of the women's events. You know, so Sky are still showing some, but it's it's clearly, you know, football's <laughs> football's taking all the Sky money. Mm. And um, it, but it's just it's just interesting that it wasn't at what you class a traditional broadcaster. You know, so at, you know, Amazon. You know you know we'll we'll now show this as part of amazon prime you know and they're talking about trying to get some premier league um matches from 2019 to 2022 and it's just you know we're seeing more of this you know you're gonna you're gonna see so espn i've got some streaming services lined up that you'll pay x amount a month and they'll show sport um and I, I, I don't think it'll, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if a netflix or some other start to grab um, especially when Netflix are getting under pressure now from Disney standing up their own services, they'll be like, "How can we differentiate? What can we do?" It's a, and it's a, you know, they've they've realised this big chunk of media cash that's there. 100 million Prime subscribers. It's amazing. Um, yeah. And when you think of what Prime started out as, it's really a very different, you know, a very different proposition nowadays um, for what you get. And this is just adding to that, but it's just a way of them getting that regular amount of cash coming in. Um, and it shows what they can support off the back of it because there are some pretty big things going on um, within that 100 million subscribers. Again, Amazon are one of those companies that, that they seem, as an organisation, happy to reinvest nearly everything they earn. They they rarely come up with the big sales figures. In fact, they rarely come up with sales figures at all. Um, yet we do know from the investment side of things that they, they like to churn it back in to to grow to more, more and more areas. And, and, and now sports and broadcasting is seems to be their you know big focus for them and and they they realize that by dragging you into that infrastructure then you're also you know going to make use of that 
buying stuff and and if, you know if you look at the actual amount of money that flows through amazon now it, it, it's you know it's a massive even given that the amazon infrastructure is supplying all the kind of hardware and software <laughs> underlying so much of what gets served on the internet the, the just the, the sheer number of pounds that flow through that company is just mind-boggling no I, I agreed and i mean it's just this week that he confirmed or last week he confirmed how many prime subscribers because amazon traditionally don't confirm numbers on anything no um but it was a kind of shareholder letter that says you know we've got 100 million prime subscribers and everybody's like wow that's a big old number and so i think netflix is about 120 million um yeah so 100 million people paying what 80 is it 80 quid ish 80 i can't quid, remember yeah it's 80 quid a year or the equivalent i mean i guess it's 99 dollars yeah. you know i guess that's the that's what's that's what it must be um so that and you know multiply those two together and you become and that's just the prime that's not just that's not the people then that are then buying extra stuff because nope. they've got one day delivery on prime that's just the, the 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 number of people subscribing so it's pretty amazing yeah google <laughs> it's ever <laughs> ever changing messaging solution um we spoke I think it was probably only about two years ago. Allo was going to be the solution to this. They were going to release the Allo as a consumer messaging, and that was going to do the the clever thing where it followed you around and it sent messages to wherever you happened to be at the time, um, whether that be your SMS or via the application. Um, but they've they're kicking that to touch and they're going back to try and reinvent the wheel again. Sounds like. Yeah. So they're basically bringing um, an iMessage equivalent. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully this will uh, I, mean, I guess the best way of caught an enhanced version of SMS is when the, in the kind of show notes and I guess that's the best way of looking at it um, yeah and iMessage came up to a lot of I guess flack because it's great if you're inside the Apple infrastructure but as soon as you move outside of the Apple infrastructure it becomes you know useless really yeah um, it's Steve Jobs so, so bless him he was still around when they launched iMessage and he did say we're going to open this out to everybody mm-hmm. and did the heck no they didn't <laughs> You know, and it's become a differentiator. You know, they've, they've seen it as a kind of key differentiator. We talk about the blue bubble and the green bubble. You know, and when you're texting people, you can, yeah. you know, and you can you can see the difference about who, you know, I can send this and I can send a link and it's all rich, um, and it has been really successful. Um, and and Google, it it just feels like they just need to get behind one thing and do it properly. Try and do it than, properly, yeah, yeah. yeah. But the, I mean, what the good thing about it is they are saying they are going to open this platform up. It's not going to be a closed platform. They're going to invite other people into their infrastructure, which is useful. The only problem is they've just lost so much ground with WhatsApp and and, and Facebook Messenger. I don't think that's necessarily recoverable. I think it's just one of those areas where WhatsApp and, and Messenger seem to have nailed it. Yeah, they've won. Um, so this is um, so this is something that isn't new. Um, so RCS, Rich Communication Services, um, which is like as, as we talked about, it's tying SMS, other chat messages. You can see it as an SMS plus or an SMS or an exchange version. Um, but they're going to rebrand it all as chat, and they've got 50, 55 operators worldwide have been recruited to support this. Um, so it's, it's unclear about rollouts, um, but but it's interesting. Like Microsoft's in there as a supporter. Um, yeah. So that would mean, you know, that would that should appear on Windows. You know, so yeah. there's a, the anger's got the it's got the scope and ambition to actually succeed. And it's, it's kind just, of open. It's almost like open open sourcing the idea of messages and taking them away from just being something you do on your phone, as yes. in via you know your carrier, and actually just saying, right, we just want a solution where you have a short short character set and and you that gets sent to wherever you happen to be, rather than just be on your phone. And I think. We know that's the right solution, uh, but and maybe yeah, like having Microsoft on board as well and having it as an open platform is the way forward. And they do well when they do that model, 
but whether they've just got too much ground to catch up, just that's that's my question mark. Yeah, and I think the problem is that, as, as you say, the, the other ones are in there first. It's, I mean, once everybody's got WhatsApp, and if yeah. I turned around and said, I actually want everybody to move to Slack, you'd be like, no, no. I'm not putting Slack on. Why? Why when Nitty or other my friends are all on, you know, WhatsApp? Why would I yeah, put another one on? I've already done it and it works. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Smugmug has bought Flickr. So, uh, an interesting move. So, Smugmug was probably the, the big new i say new they've been around for so long now it's unbelievable but they came along as an alternative to Flickr in the yahoo kind of days uh and now they have basically the the underdog has become the the the, the one buying up the massive thing that was Flickr. so they've said that they don't really know what they're going to do with it right now but they're going to leave it open to users to inform it but basically they're going to keep as separate services so they're not going to try and combine the two together right now um, so Flickr will still live on uh, and who knows what's going to happen in the future. But at the moment, they're just uh, remaining open minded and things will be get transferred over to the Smugmug hardware and infrastructure, which is all Amazon based, by the way. Um, but they will. Um, yeah, but the, but they will still be offered as two services. So if you're a Flickr user, you'll you'll have all your data moved somewhere. But actually, that'd be fairly transparent to start with. And then they're saying they're leaving it open to see where it goes. Yeah, and I'm a Flickr user, and I thought this was great news. And um, I've, I've, which takes away your decision because we've been talking for years. But do you want to move to Smugmug? And and actually, this now just takes away that decision. You maybe get the best of both worlds. Uh, yeah, and um, you know, I've, I've looked at it, and it's always a painful move, and I'd have to then move a whole lot of you know blog links and site stuff. And it's just Whereas like, this it's should get like, it done ugh. for you. Um, and and I and I'm still as I'm as I'm trying to take a bit more photos. I'm starting to think more about where should this go and how should I put this together and how do I best present what I do and some of the stuff I quite like what I do. Other stuff it's like oh it's not the best. But you learn, you know. And uh, um, I, I just saw this as a great positive step because you know when, when Yahoo bought Flickr there was lots of where's this going and and it, it went nowhere really. It, they it, did it, one one revamp. I think that was it. They did one revamp and they did some interesting stuff around terabytes of storage and making it appealing from that perspective. And there have been a couple of small, you know, there's been some small UI changes that have helped, but there's other ones that have actually degraded the service. You know, so not really the best custodians of, of Flickr. Um, and then with the whole thing, you know, with, with it going to Verizon, you know, under this, you know, what was it, Oath they were called. Mm. Um, you know, it, it just looked like, where's, where's this going? So to me, it's great news that there's a, that there's a, company that puts photographers first yeah and, and smugbug have take... whether that's true or not you know who who knows but they certainly well, they bit... seem to care about photography it's their key market and it's exactly. their key money income you know and and they've, and they've not taken out so i guess one of the key things that i thought i've always liked about smugbug was they, they didn't take on um like investment deals so they weren't taking on an investment team and saying give us you know 100 million and then you're like, so how are you going to make money? And you know it's going to be adverts at some point, or they're selling your data, you know. Or you know, so there's a, they are looking at it that we will own the service, we'll get our customers to pay for the service, and that's how we, that's how we. We will deliver a good focused service that gives yeah. people what they want, and yeah. people will come and pay for it. Yeah, and I'm happy. I've got more. You know, if you had asked me last, you know, you know, last Tuesday, what do you think about Flickr, and I'm like, oh, I'm really struggling to see where I go. Um, and now I'm like, yeah, I'm all in. I'm quite happy. Um, this it at least gives some hope about what's coming next, even though they've said nothing. It just feels that a better owner than than where it was. And it might, yeah, get the attention maybe it deserves. Let's hope so. 
uh, Spotify has upped its free tier. So they've removed some restrictions on selected key kind of tracks that are around at the moment. So whereas you previously had you got prevented from listening to certain tracks for multiple times, uh, now they've removed that, but only only for the tracks that they want you to listen to. And I guess they is the music industry um, and various other bits. So there is there any other key points that you quite liked? No, I think it was just in, in the past as a free user, you couldn't skip. I think you could skip like three, four times and it was like, no, you're going to have to listen to this track. You need mm-hmm. to listen to it. Um, and I think what they're saying is there's around 40 hours worth of music, so around 750 tracks that will be in these discovery playlists that you can actually say, no, I want to listen to this. So I think it's a it's an interesting way of getting people more. So Spotify is the, the biggest market leader. Um, Apple's kind of gaining them ever so slowly. You know, So if you look at the, the curves, there, there will be a convergence at some point. Um but that still feels quite a way away, you know. Mm-hmm. It's not, and I, it's, it's just how how each of the services are going to kind of grow and grab more users. Um, and I think this is a this is a, an interesting way of trying to do it. You know, come and use Spotify. Oh, look at all these playlists. Look at the way you can share playlists with people. Just give us your ten dollars, you know, and you get everything rather than just these four hundred fifty tracks. I think it's a It'll be, sorry, 750 tracks. I think it'll be interesting. Advertising's still key for it. That's the only way they can keep a free tier open. Yeah, I mean, they still having the arguments with all the music. The music industry know how big Spotify is, but they also know how little money that they generate from per track and per stream. So it's it's there's still that balancing act. So they they both sides of it. It's a quandary, isn't it? Because the yeah. because users love Spotify. Yeah, but the industry has almost like grudgingly accepted Spotify. That's what it feels like. But they're they're now using more and more of the you know the metrics. Spotify is an important metric for them, so it's you know they know it's important. They just they, they want to work out how to make it important and earn them loads more money that they feel like they're missing out on when when really it's more like the the radio station play. You know, it's that that's kind of where it's at rather than a rather than a buying or purchase of a track. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're they're slowly growing and growing, and, and they've got ninety million odd users now, and has seventy million paid subscribers, which is pretty. It's huge. Yeah, it's massive. And and I've been a happy paid subscriber at their medium tier, not the not the full on tier, um, for for ages now. And I I've never thought about cancelling it because I think it offers me what I need from music. And yeah. and, and when was uh, the last time you bought music? Exactly, and that's that. <laughs> that's the point. They've got a lot more out of me by having subscribed to Spotify than they would ever have done had I been actually purchasing albums and tracks. So, yeah, that, they, they need to take that into account. I'm sure they do. Yeah. Okay, well, that we've managed to get to the end of our uh, content. Wow. I'm assuming you haven't got anything else you want to cover off today. Um, it's just to say God of War came out um, ah, in yes. the last week. Um, that's to, probably to really quite glowing reviews. Amazing reviews, and I've played an hour, hour and a half, and it's, it's a pretty stunning game. You know, I mean, it looks, looks, it looks amazing. I don't know how on rails it felt, when you were playing it because that's that was the only thing that sometimes when you see these amazing set pieces really it feels like i'm not having to really do anything because it's just all put on the plate for me really and the first the first hour feels a bit like that and 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 that it's like uh you know father follow me and and you're kind of like so it's an interactive movie game to start with and maybe it opens up yeah and we'll see how it goes i mean as you said the reviews are stellar and um it just looks and sounds you know top notch uh, yep. And the first, the first hour was pretty captivating. I just not had the chance, you know. Only got it, only kind of first tried it Sunday, so I've just not had had much time to play. I look forward to hearing how that all. Yeah, if it looks, as I said, if you've got a PS4, pick it up. It's no brainer. I'm potentially looking forward to the 
when Xbox though they, you know because God of War was one of the PS4 kind of exclusive and you know their headline games from I guess E3 and so we're now starting to see that realized and, and hopefully some of the ones that we saw for Xbox will now start coming online to make really make use of the power of Xbox I've been a bit out of love with gaming recently just because you know we would there doesn't seem to be anything new or interesting to play at the moment no there's I think that's the problem the if you if you only play, I think the kind of and the Verge said that a couple of weeks ago. They they turned around and said Xbox One's the best console to buy right now, as long as you're not looking for the exclusives. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're just wanting to play, you know, Battlefield, Call of Duty, FIFA, you know, it's like that's the best platform to play it on. Um, if you're looking for, you know, the best exclusive games, you you really need to be on Sony because Microsoft have. Of just missed this generation, that, just, and, and this tough. generation happens to be the generation that is 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 going to go on for a long, awfully long time as well. That's mm. <laughs> you know, it's, it's it's only extending itself. It's not it's not like we've you know they've all both of them have said we're we're not coming out with a new platform in the next X number of years. We're just going to enhance yeah. the one we've got. So there was there was it's funny I, I just read yesterday Microsoft rumors about new Xbox. Uh, okay, well there you go. So the, uh, but that like, was three years away. So what they're talking about is a you know it's a it's a fairly you know there's nothing coming in the next two years. It feels like it's 2020, 2021, and PlayStation are talking about you know if there is a new platform it would be tail end of next year. You know like a mm-hmm. PS5 just because they are now you know behind and. I, I don't know. Both of them seem to be into this every three years rather than the, the kind of seven or eight, nine years that we used to have. Yeah. It seems to be a lot shorter now. It's almost like we've turned into a consumerist society or something. Yeah, yeah. Funny that. Amazing. Right. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening this far, uh, for listening to Rabidon. Hopefully it won't be so long before the next one. Um, but if you've enjoyed what you hear, um, then you can go and find more about us. Uh, digitaloutbox.com is the website. Info at digitaloutbox.com if you want to talk to us an email. And Twitter if you can get your clients working, digitaloutbox. Um, academyracer.co.uk for my racing blog. Cheesy UK for my Twitter account. Where do we find you, Ian? I'm on the blog as ian.net. I'm on Twitter as Sweeper. And I'm looking forward to seeing you in Bonnie, Scotland in a couple of weeks' time. Yep, not long before we go racing in Scotland for the first time. Um, so I shall take my Rain Mac. Are you, are you wearing a kilt? I'm not. Fireproof <laughs> kilt? No. I shall be wearing waterproof overalls. Oh, how, 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 how boring. But I am looking forward to it nonetheless. <laughs> and not long before my half marathon. I should really start off a, a running blog rather than a racing driver blog because that's what I seem to be doing more of recently. I was, was going to say, so what, what, what name would that get? Um, hmm. There you go. Time hmm. Thought time before the next one. All right, then. I will speak to you then. I guess you will as well. <laughs> and we will... <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while since I've closed the blog. I'm not sure what to do. What, what do we do? Uh, do I, I'm just going to say thank you for listening and goodbye. Goodbye. Make it stop. <laughs> make Please it stop. Make it stop. My mouth won't, my mouth won't make it stop. <laughs> Let me go. <laughs>